You're listening to the Hanging with the AD podcast, where we break down hot topics in athletic administration and lessons learned through leadership. And now, here are your hosts, Josh Matthews and Don Baker. Today, we make our first stop in the great state of Tennessee and get to know one of the best in the business, Mike Elson. Mike is a former longtime AD at Christ Presbyterian Academy in Nashville, Tennessee, and also serves as the executive director of the TIAAA. Mike's wisdom from a career that touched five decades is priceless, and we can't wait to share today's conversation with you. So let's not waste any more time as we get to know and learn from Mr. Mike Elson. Mike, we're so glad to have you joining Don and I for this episode of Hanging with the AD. We're excited to finally have a guest from our northern neighbor up there in the great state of Tennessee. So uh, thanks for joining us today. Honored to be here, Josh and Don. Thank you for the opportunity. So for our listeners, Mike Elson is the very recently retired AD from Christ Presbyterian Academy in Williamson slash Davidson County, Tennessee. Uh, it's a suburb of Nashville, and uh, Mike just shared with us that a, uh, a neat little tidbit of Christ uh, Presbyterian Academy is the county line runs right between the high school buildings. So uh, that's uh, that's kind of neat there that y'all split two counties. But uh, Mike was the founding AD at CPA, where he served in that role for 35 years, also served in some coaching uh, roles there at CPA as the school developed uh, before he moved into a full-time AD role. Uh, and Mike... You know, 35 years is a long time, and uh, based on our homework, it was a long, long time for you because you were coaching there during the black and white photo era. Uh, just saw a, a picture on Facebook that CPA put out. You're coaching there, some nice suspenders, but uh, the photo was black and white. So we probably don't understand how long ago 35 years was in technology there. So, uh, no, on a more serious note, Mike is uh, the executive director also of the TIAAA and uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that at the end here. But we'll stop right there let Mike do the rest of this introduction. So, uh, Mike, we'd like to start with what we call the back of the baseball card bio. So could you take a minute tell us what the back of Mike Elson's baseball card might look like? Sure, Josh and Don, thank you. Um, bats right, throws right, um, played center field, um, love the game of baseball. So I love that analogy, and I'll give you a quick story. When I was 12 in uh, 76, I, we, the big red machine was hot. You know, love, I grew up in Indiana, a couple hours from Cincinnati, and got to go to games at Riverfront Stadium. I thought the Reds were always like that particular team, if you will, or era. Uh, but I wanted the whole set of Reds baseball cards. And so my dad had cards from the 40s and 50s, like Joe DiMaggio and hmm. – Mickey Mantle, Willie Mays, Duke Snyder. So my cousin wanted those cards, and I'm like, I'll trade you those cards for the current version of the Big Red Machine. And long story short, my mom ended up coming to the seventh grade building, getting me out of class, getting my cousin out of class. We went to his house, and we got my dad's baseball cards back. She she, she avoided the trade. (laughs) That's funny. You're speaking Don's language. I was a baseball card guy, but Don is, uh, he's still in that business. So uh, he loves it. So you're speaking his language. Yeah. Uh, I have thousands. I wish I had my dad's cards from the fifties, but of course I do not. Uh, But anyway, you know, growing up in Indiana, oldest of four boys ended up, um, I went to the largest high school gym in the country, Newcastle Chrysler high school, Uh, gym seats, 10,000. 
to give you perspective in Indiana, the Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame is next door to my high school gym in a town of 20,000. So you can imagine how important uh, that sport was to our family, to our town growing up, but eventually came to a Bible college in Nashville, met my wife and have been in Nashville since the fall of 82. So coming up on 40 years, and I have seen a lot of change uh, in Nashville. But for perspective of my time or era at CPA, which I guess on the back of the baseball card, you'd see one line, 87 to 22, touching five decades, been pretty cool. Uh, but Ronald Reagan was the president when I started, um, you know, coaching and teaching at CPA. That's good. That, that, that's that's an interesting perspective. And to say five decades, uh, touching five decades just shows uh, the longevity, the influence you had there. And I, I think that's really cool. That's a, I imagine when you have reflected on your career there at CPA, you saw a, a ton of change and probably saw it through the decade, you know, numbers there, I would say. So, hey, uh, Mike, I want to jump into something y'all implemented there at CPA. And it's a platform or a system based on positive reinforcement. I think the guys who started it were called the Coach and the Geek. I think there's a book, uh, but there's also a program called Focus. Uh, would you mind telling us a little bit about Focus and how it helped your teams there at CPA? Well, we we touched on Focus um, not as extensively as we wanted to, Josh, but um, the Coach and the Geek, those uh, gentlemen are out of our Ohio, and they you know, one is a, a technology geek and the other coach Mark Adams is an ESPN basketball analyst. And they're a pretty fascinating uh, combination, really good friends. We had them come and speak at our state athletic directors conference. And what they're trying to do is use a platform like focus, uh, which is built from data. And that data creates a trajectory, if you will, of where you, where you can go with your team. And it's, uh, built on positive affirmations. How many times a, a coach is saying, great job. And if you think about the word encouragement, um, one of the root words would be the word courage. And so why as coaches or athletic directors, parents, leaders, are we not using uh, the platform or the basis of encouragement? And that's what uh, Coach uh, Mark Adams and Jeff Van Fleet have done with that book. And honestly, it's a concept we should have been using decades ago, but they're bringing it to the forefront. And it's definitely a book I strongly recommend. If you never have have those two on as a guest, um, you, your listeners will benefit uh, from their wisdom. And my favorite thing about both of them is their authenticity, their purity of purpose, uh, their hearts. Uh, they didn't write a book or build a program to make money. They built it to help other people. And that's why we've been so drawn to them. That's really good. And you talk about that idea of working together for the same cause, so to speak. Let's talk about alignment for just a second. Every school is different. Uh, we often hear a lot of school leaders talk about that concept of alignment. Some schools are really cared by academics. Others are by athletics and extracurriculars, while some, they need that AD to play a, a much larger role, maybe the, the head disciplinarian in the school or maybe even the building leader. So athletics can really be an afterthought sometimes, unfortunately, really to the detriment to everybody involved. What can be done by a principal or a headmaster to prioritize the, the alignment of all aspects of the school, especially athletics? We've heard Rich Barton on here before talk about outside of the principal, the 
athletic director carries more liability than any person in the school when you're talking about what they're doing uh, and having those two on the same page. So the idea of what the principal has to do to make sure that that alignment is there. And then what must the AD do to focus on making sure that he or she has the athletic department aligned with that school leader? Go a lot of different places, Don, with, with this response. But, you know, first of all, Rich uh, Barton and Carol Dazabrin and I are all we're writing a book called Leadership of Legacy. And between the three of us, we have over 100 years of athletic administrative experience. And we're from three different parts of the country. So we felt like, you know, to use story brand of the true essence of what it means to be an athletic director and then simply educate uh, is, is one of our primary purposes. I met last fall with a high executive or a high um, individual in government in the state of Tennessee. And I share with them about the 14 legal duties of a coach and an athletic director. And then they stop me and they're like, Mike, what they don't know, they don't know. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he said, I've never heard of that. There's no way the principals and superintendents have ever heard of that. And so we as educators uh, from an athletic leadership position, we have to lead from the middle. We have to lead up the chain uh, vertically. And of course, we lead down the chain vertically, but we also have to lead horizontally with our peers. And so it, ignorance is not an excuse. Uh, Ronnie Carter, former executive director, TWSAA, told me years ago. And so we've got to go out and we've got to tell the story. We can't expect superintendents, principals, and school boards to um, to already know all of that. So right. which, which ties into the beauty of why we three are even sitting here today and it's because of the conduit of the NIAAA that's connected us, uh, not just in the U.S., but across the world. And so educating those leaders is a big part of that. And then I think for the athletic administrator, tying in, uh, in the late 80s, we wrote a statement of purpose. We wrote the role of athletics and philosophy of competition, three one-page documents that have served as the pillars of CPA athletics for over three decades, we tied in our, our word semantics, um, our language. We made sure it was common with what the purpose and the mission of the school was. And aligning those two is so critical. And so we've got to prove over and over and over that we're in alignment with the school. We're not trying to be the tail wagging the dog. We're not trying to be a win at all cost program where we're going to cheat you to beat you. We're going to honor the mission. And um, and that to me is what drove um, drove me, and it gave me my purpose every day uh, for why I was at CPA. And I'm leaving with a statement: always remember the C in CPA. I've said that for over three decades, and I see license plates driving around Williamson County, Davidson County, Nashville that say CPA. Well, let's not forget the true meaning of what our school uh, start, why we started and never deviate from that. That's really good. It reminds me of uh, probably another gentleman you're, you're familiar with, Tommy Marshall. He was a longtime AD down here at Marist, uh, another private school, but he always talked about uh, the, the mission of the school. And I, I remember, I mean, just thinking about him talking uh, when we interviewed him too, I mean, he just talks about the mission of the, mission of the school. And, and that's a great uh, reminder and probably a good challenge to some of us to uh, create those statements of purpose, those role of athletics and, and such as that to align ourselves with our, align our athletic department and our, our, our personal selves with 
uh, the mission of the school. So that's that's great there. So, Mike, a book I've been reading recently is uh, Legacy, James Kerr. Uh, a lot of people recommended it, and I've heard a lot of good things. But one of the chapters is on character, and in that it talks about self-reflection. In that chapter on self-reflection, James Kerr talks about self-reflection being a key act in demonstrating humility, which is where character starts. Uh, I know character is a big deal for what y'all have done there at CPA and just for yourself. You spoke uh, on mentoring coaches once, and I was in that workshop you talked about there. You mentioned self-reflection as the second step in mentoring a transformational coach. Now, now first, would you say that self-reflection is easy or difficult for the athletic director? And along those same lines, what is true self-reflection for an athletic leader? What does that look like? I think self-reflection is one of the hardest things that we have to deal with looking in the mirror and, and seeing the real us can be a big time challenge. And it's, you know, I've read a lot of books. It's easy to read books. It's easy to listen to podcasts and, and aspire to be like others, but who in our inner circle is going to help us see, see ourselves for who we truly are. And I know for me, that's my wife, Mary, uh, we've been married about 38 years, and she is my go-to for when I need an authentic um, self-check, if you will. And I'm thankful that she's willing. And that just shows me, I want to surround myself with people that I know love me unconditionally. And so love is a big part of that, Josh and Don. Are we willing to even say that word to, you know, I wouldn't call it humbling ourselves, but the word love should be part of our common language as athletic leaders. And if we're going to truly reflect, we have to, I know for me, my strategy is I walk four to five miles a day. That's my time every day to start every day with that reflection. I want to win the day, which by the way, is a great book written by Mark Batterson. If you've not read it, he's a pastor out of Washington, DC, but I want to win the day. And So what am I filling my mind with? What am I listening to? What am I watching? What am I reading? And as we consume those things, it really helps build self-reflection tools uh, inside of us so that we can be better for other people. Um, My all-time favorite coach is John Wooden, and his dad gave him a seven-point creed in 1924, which is hard to believe it's nearly 100 years later. Uh, But one of the seven points was simply helping others. And um, that's my goal, my purpose as I move ahead. And as I self-reflect, at the end of the day, I have to ask myself when I look in the mirror, who did I help? It can't be, we always make it about ourselves deep down and we have to fight that. And so what tools am I using to fight that, that selfishness off? Man, that's good. That's really good. I think that's, uh, especially during the summertime, as we sit there and reflect on on a previous year. Uh, and get ready for the next year. Uh, I think it's easy to reflect on everything else but ourselves. And I think that, uh, man, that is perfect for us to hear and uh, look at how we are reflecting on ourselves and having that person who can be your mirror. I think that's kind of what I took from that is, yeah, Mm -hmm. we can look in the mirror, but sometimes we don't want to see what we see. Another way somebody said is you you can't read the label from inside the bottle. I read that uh, and I really like it because it it tells you somebody's got to read the label for you. And having that that person, as you say, your wife, and uh, having those people that can kind of read your label and, and tell you that what the label is saying is uh, very helpful there. So, 
Uh, Mike, in that same workshop that you co-taught there at the National AD Conference, y'all showed a clip of Jason Garrett and Jason Witten from the Cowboys. I believe it was Witten's retirement press conference. Uh, what, what a touching reflection that was to watch. Anyone listening who hasn't seen it probably needs to go look that up. Uh, it's easy to find, I think, on YouTube. But what did that video clip teach you, or what did you learn about your leadership style from that video clip? Just the the unknown, unseen impact we have on others. I loved hearing Jason Garrett talk about Jason Witten, and he teared up. And that told me everything I need to know about Jason Garrett. Jason Garrett, he may not be the head coach of the Cowboys anymore, but he is a transformational leader and someone I want to emulate. And it reminded me of all of the student athletes I had the privilege to coach in so many different sports through the years. And I, as I'm looking in the mirror, did I, did they know I love them unconditionally? Whether you were the manager, uh, the leading scorer, the best hitter, whatever it might be, did everybody know that I love them in a balanced perspective? I think balance is a word that we don't talk about a lot, but I think one that we should be, um, you know, as, as far as looking in the mirror, we, we need to be thinking about, am I living a balanced life? Am I patting the back of those that I think others will be glad I'm surrounding myself with? Or am I willing to get down in the trenches and pat the back of the one that's doing a lot of the unseen work and um, creating, you know, for me, a reflection of what can I do? What can I do better to make sure everyone I touch leaves me better than I found them and that they know I care about them unconditionally? Not for what you can do for me, but what? How can I best serve you? That's really good. That, that kind of ties into something that that Josh and I were just talking about before we got on the call. I saw an interview with Mike Tomlin recently, and he was talking about this idea of coaches saying, "Well, that kid's not coachable." Well, that's your job. Like that's right. that, that. That's where you step in, and that's where you do those. You know, he was talking about when he reads uh, leading up to the draft, like a draft preview of a kid, and it says certain things about you know how he uses his hands. Well, okay, well that's your job. That that's where you step in and you you have to do that, you know. It's definitely a two-way street for sure. So I think that, that that's right on. Let's shift gears for j- just a little bit. I, w- I know that you were part of the group that wrote the new course uh LTC 716 that focuses on partnering with parents. I want to talk about that for just a second. Could you speak about that process and what you learn in developing the course that you feel really helps ADs in this space? And I know this is a bit of a softball question, but why do we need this course right now? Well, first of all, you know, kudos to Rich Barton of Utah for building in his mind um, a course that would counter. There's a course called um, Challenging Dealing with Challenging Personalities, LTC 714. And Rich, you know, dreamed this course up. Then he called me and we talked about let's counter the negativity with the power of positivity. And I know you've had uh, John Gordon's brother on, Dave. And so I love John Gordon, one of my favorite authors, but he drives the power of positivity with all of his messaging. And we wanted to to do that. And so uh, it was beautiful to do it during the COVID era. And Rich and I were brainstorming. We're like, Okay, let's reach out. And so we had Candace Mitchell, who's now with USA Football uh, from Georgia. She's actually the course chair now. Uh, Carol Dazabrun, who th- this course really helped us get to know Carol and become a friend. But she's up in New Hampshire. 
Catherine Tango Ong of the Philippines. We wanted um, an international perspective. Doug Kilgore, who's now Missouri, but from Arkansas. Vicki Nelms of Oregon. Uh, Dr. Jake Von Scheer, who's a beast, by the way, with podcast. Um, he, he, <laughs> he was one of our authors. And so, you know, there were eight of us across the country. I hope I got everybody. But it was awesome to come together on Zoom to build friendships. And we had we built teams inside of the course. So two of us took section one, two took section two, two took section three. And then Vicki Nelms and I took section four. And we just brainstormed and we're like, how can we help athletic directors and coaches get away from a negative mindset with parents and build the power of positivity through tools and resources? And when I teach this course, Don and Josh, I always start out with, listen, I've been cussed at, spit on, yelled at, finger pointed in my face. I've had all of that, even at our sweet little Christian school in Nashville. And so I'm not trying to create, we didn't want to try to create a Pollyanna type course where it was unrealistic. We wanted to give you realistic tools for you to take back to your coaches as a leader and change the concept of the mindset of the parents are not our enemy. They're our teammate. That's how we built the course. I'm sure you guys have coached travel sports. I've coached travel sports for years and I'm thankful that I've coached travel sports because I'm watching that it, they parallel. They're on the same highway, go in the same direction. And so education-based athletics has to work together with travel sport, uh, sports teams and programs. That's the same concept. Parents love their children. Of course, they want the best interest. So why would we not use them as a catalyst? Now, when I talk about being you know, cussed at and finger pointed, um, you know, that was so rare. 99% and above in my years at CPA was all a positive interaction. But you have to share that you understand that um, I get the reality of it too. And parents are going to get mad and it's going to come down to playing time. And we talk about in the course, don't be afraid to talk about playing time. You can set your parameters as an AD for your coaches. Why are you closing practices? I was proud as a coach. I wanted you to come in and watch me teach triple threat and defensive slides and five out and four out one in and all the different things I, I did as a basketball coach. I was proud of our, and as an AD, proud to take you down to Engel Martin's football practice or Larry Nesbitt's baseball practice. Come and see what we do. We're proud of it. We're teaching. We're loving your children. And we want you to be a part of that. Not You're not the enemy. Uh, you're our teammate. So I hope that's a that's a good answer to kind of the heart behind why we wrote the course. Yeah, no, that's that's great. I've, I've told people all the time, no matter who the person is, I don't care if the person is the principal of a school. I don't care if they are the superintendent of a district. I don't care if they're the police chief. I don't care if they are the mayor. When it comes to their kids, everybody has a tendency to lose their mind, right? <laughs> You're just too close. Um, and so um, yeah, I think that that that's why this thing is perfect. Uh, and 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 thank you, uh, you know, and all of you guys for 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 doing that because I think it's great. You know, recently, um, Kevin Petrowski down at Athens Academy here in Georgia, he took a lot of us on a, a, a tour of the UGA facilities, and one piece of that was going through their brand new weight room, which is unbelievable. But my takeaway there was, and I know it's easy to say they got staff, they've got tons of uh, custodians or cleaning crew or whatever it is. 
but the place was spotless and, you know, a weight room, they're using chalk and they're, they're, they're all kinds of people in their water and stuff like that. But the place was absolutely immaculate. It was spotless. And I said to um, coach Sinclair, there, their uh, strength and conditioning coordinator director, I-, I commented on how spotless it was and how clean it was and how impressed I was. And his thing was, his goal is to make it look like it's never been used because he has donors come through there. He has other coaches. He has, you know, parents, recruits, all these stakeholders. And what you just said there, Mike, about practice and what we do, what our coaches do, what our programs do about be proud to show parents what you are doing. I think that's, I mean, that's a new school way that kind of correlates with what coach Sinclair was saying there at UGA was, the old school way of closing practice, it kind of says, hey, I don't want you to see what I'm doing because I'm not real proud of it. And, and that's something I'm going to take and I'm going to share with our coaches. If, if you're doing this, we need to stop because you need to be proud. These are your donors, right? They're donating their kids who are your talent to come see you. And, and you need to let them come to practice if they want to. Obviously, people have to work and stuff like that. But that's a profound statement that took me back to that UGA statement about these big time donors. But are they really even are they more big time to parents donating their kids, you know? Well, and when parents then are if they're invited in or to be a part of your program, not to go in and start running drills, but to be a fly on the wall or sit in the bleachers during practice, when the game occurs they're going to be able to speak with intelligence to other fans who don't, who aren't having the privilege of going to those uh, practices. They're like, I'm watching practice. I'm watching the true essence of the teachings that are going on. And I understand why they're running this offense and what the concepts are. And so I think that that word of mouth, I mean, there are ambassadors, right? Right. Speaking about our program, not just at our school, but in the community with the bankers and the, the business leaders, and let's face it, we as athletic administrators, we need their help as well because we have to have funding uh, beyond our budgets, whatever we're allotted, uh, to build the program and give our student-athletes an amazing experience. That's good. That's a funny comment about the uh, speaking with intelligence. I I just went to a Braves game this week, and the gentleman sitting beside me, it's uh, safe to say, he had not attended a practice. He did not. Uh, he has not talked to Brian Snitker, the manager of the Braves. Uh, I don't know where his level of baseball ended, but uh, it was not at that level because I sat there and chuckled uh, during the game because there was not much speaking from intelligence. Now, he was a passionate Braves fan, which I can appreciate and understand, but uh, that, that's funny you said that. You know, on the flip side of that, too, I can remember coaching a kid one time, and he was very talented, but he was young. Uh, he, was in the, he was a 10th grader. And we had thrown him in to a starting position that he probably wasn't ready for, but he was the most talent, just general athletic talent. We were like, he's got to be the guy. And we got about halfway through the season. And I remember his mother came up to me uh, toward the end of a practice. And she said, you know, it's Cole's birthday today. And I said, okay, well, that's great. That's great. Yeah. I was just so focused on, you know, we got a game on Friday, you know, and, and I said, that's good. For, uh, happy birthday to him or whatever. I, and, and she goes, he, he just turned 16. He like, he just, and it was like late. I mean, it, he had a late birthday or whatever. And then it hit me like a ton of bricks. This child, he's 15 years old. We've got him playing against 18 year olds and we're expecting him to do this, you know, the same thing or whatever, but it was me learning from that parent who had been yeah. at practice 
and had watched me coach because I coached him hard because I, I knew he had a lot of potential and he ended up going and playing at the next level and doing really well. But it was that perspective that she gave me in that moment that changed how I coached kids from that point on to be able to go, oh my, oh my gosh, you know, and now I've got a 14 year old in my house and it's kind of happening to me in real time. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, if that happened to me, how would I react? So, you know, I think that that's great. Now let's, let's kind of put you on the spot here for just a second. So we talked about you uh, retiring in the AD role there at CPA uh, and you being the founding AD there. Uh, serving there for over 30 years. Uh, maybe give us a glimpse of the life that you have led as an athletic leader. Uh, maybe some lessons that you've learned throughout that lifetime of athletic administration. Maybe something you thought you knew and you realized real quick you didn't, and then you ended up kind of refining uh, and some lessons you learned up until today. And then maybe what's next for you? You know, I, I love the statement. It's what you learn after you think you know it all that matters the most. And so very early on, uh, I had a mentor, a gentleman named Ed White, who actually pitched for Vanderbilt in the 70s. He's still a dear friend of mine and just been a, a career mentor. And he would help me. He would help me see things that, again, I could not see as a young man in my 20s. And, you know, officially on my contract or whatever, I was the AD at CPA for over 30 years Um First couple of years, I was just trying to figure out how to order uniforms and, um, you know, how to build a schedule, how to connect with officials, how to build friendships with the media. And I learned early on and tried to carry it with me. There's a young man that graduated in 1992. It was our first graduating class. We had eight graduates. And he called me like a couple of weeks ago. His mother died while he was in high school. And I remember we went running and I took him to Baskin Robbins for a milkshake. And that little bitty relationship, that little bitty run, yeah, I was his coach, but it's carried on a lifelong into eternity friendship. And so I think the value, we had a theme, our athletic department had a theme a few years ago, everything matters. Every relationship matters. Every little thing matters. Every interaction matters. And a lot of times I think for us as leaders, we have to remember what it felt like to be 10 or 12 years old and how we looked up to our coaches, our teachers, our parents. And I think we forget that as adults. And so that was an early lesson takeaway. The other uh, thing I learned through the years, you got to have a confidential inner circle. Uh, uh, you know, going back to the 60s, the old Batman show. So who's who's on your bat phone? Who can you pick up the phone and call? And it's why I love the NIAAA so much. I can call Lannis Robinson in Florida. I can call Rich Barton. I can call Mick Hoffman or Dave Ticker in Washington State. Like, they're just people I can call all over the country if I'm having a hard day or an issue or need some advice. And so trying not to solve all of the issues immediately. I think that's one takeaway. Another takeaway is sleeping on things. You got to sleep on things as much as you possibly can. We as coaches always, or, you know, when you start out coaching, you're in the heat of the moment. You don't have time to sleep on it. Josh, I know you're a baseball coach. Don, I'm, I think maybe basketball or football. Uh, football guy, yeah. Okay. So, you know, you got to react inside of inside of the minute. Uh, for right. me, a basketball coach inside of a minute, game's tied. What am I going to do? 
But as an athletic leader, you can sleep on things. You don't have to just react. And then one of my favorite slides in LTC 716 is listeners learn and learners listen. I want to, I tried to grow in my listening skills and I'm still trying to grow in my listening skills. And I think that is really, really important. But, you know, the inner circle, who's on your bat phone, and then listening is such, those are such huge pieces uh, when I reflect back on my career. And moving ahead, you know, I know I'm retiring, I guess, officially from CPA, June 30. But I'm excited about what's next. And I'm not retiring. I'm full of life. I'm full of energy. And when you watch a John Wooden and the impact he made from age 65 to age 99, I'm 58. I want to make as long as God allows me to live. I want to I want to emulate that life. He did so much more after he retired than he did. Um, maybe while he was coach at UCLA and you're like, well, Mike, he won 10 national championships in 12 years. And so on an 88 game winning streak, the list goes on and on and on. Um, but I want to, I want to take the platform, the base of the foundation of my professional life that I was so blessed to have for so many years. And I want to use that to help athletic directors, of school athletic programs. I want to go speak. I want to do workshops. I'm thankful Josh mentioned the mentoring workshop that Greg Scott and I did, uh, Greg, a friend of mine, principal from Milan High School here in Tennessee. But I want to go, I want to go do that. I want to consult. Um, you know, I'm going to be continuing my role with Tennessee with TIAAA. I'm on the professional development academy staff of the of the NIAAA. I teach at Belmont University as an adjunct professor professor in uh, to aspiring athletic directors in sports administration and Belmont's an awesome school and I'm proud to be a part of it. And then I'm going to be a consultant with a company out of Ohio called uh, final forms. And, you know, there's nothing official yet, but I know when this podcast is released, um, I'll be full throttle with final forms and I'm thankful for the opportunity. They're giving me it to um, my title to be a consultant where I can take tools that the athletic director needs, the athletic department, the nurses, the trainers, I can take this tool set, which the more I learn about it, the more impressed I am um, with the technology and the ideas and the service. And the thing I'm most excited about, which is a really important word for me, is the word trust. That company was built and created by a cross-country and track coach, and their core word is trust. And I'm thankful to be a part of an organization that wants me to go share and give back to athletic directors. And frankly, that's what I'm really, really excited about. So, yes, I'm retiring um, from an amazing experience at CPA, Christ Presbyterian Academy. um, But I'm also excited about what's next, maybe more so than than I have been in a long time. That's really cool to hear. Uh, Really inspiring to hear. And didn't know that. Didn't. have never really thought about our study, John Wooden, like you have uh, there, but uh, doing more and more impact from 65 to 99 puts it, puts it in perspective. So uh, you got a long way to go there. You got you got all the way to 99. You could do a lot there. Um, right. Hey, Mike, on, on those lines of leadership, just a, a question we've asked some different guests uh, and you, you can go and you gave us a lot there. You talked about trust. I, I really like the idea, the, the, the philosophy of sleeping on things. 
you know, we always put out a quote image to promote our different uh, episodes. And I think uh, the quote there is uh, you can sleep on things. You don't have to just react. That is a foundational principle that we all should apply. Like you said, when we sit in the AD seat, it's a little different when you're coaching or much different when you're coaching, but uh, that that's taken a long time to learn, but uh, the best results do come when I, when, at least for me, when I sleep on things there. But uh, this question that I, I was going to ask you before we uh, kind of finish up, but uh, how do you define leadership? Maybe what is your definition of leadership? It begins with service, um, knowing your why. Do you have your transfer, transformational purpose statement? And for us, I'm, I don't know if the Inside Out Initiative and Coach Joe Ehrman are part of the Atlanta Falcons, but I know they are with the Tennessee Titans here in the Nashville area and actually in the state. But, you know, I lead to serve uh, by de- demonstrating a genuine heart of care for everyone that I touch in my life. And so how can I best serve? Leadership is about uh, service, serving others. It's about doing things for others without expecting anything in return. Think about the athletic administrator uh, versus a coach, or comparatively speaking. A coach after a ball game has the tape recorders in, in the media with their pen and paper, and they're asking all the questions, they're taking the photos, but the athletic director typically doesn't have that the media connection, if you will, or the, is being interviewed. You have to accept that as a leader of an athletic program, an athletic department. And that was honestly easy for me to do. I always felt like my greatest job was to find genuine, heart-caring, loving, serving, coaching leaders and put them in front of our students so that they could speak the language of the documents I mentioned earlier, the pillars, the core values. And if I did that, I felt like I was being a leader in the unseen. And I mentioned the word unseen a lot, and it's out of, um, we got it out of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. The seen is temporary, but the unseen is eternal. Think about this. I'm asked all the time, when, when did you most enjoy your years at CPA? Well, I've watched, I watched us during my time go from zero championships of district, region, sectional, and state to when I left, we'd won 251. In the early years, it took 10 to 15 years, we'd won three or four. And honestly, when you're scratching and clawing and climbing the hill, climbing the mountain, those are some of the most enjoyable times. So as a leader, you've got to be willing to not to go through um, building relationships, building a program without expecting any applause or anything in return. Uh, That, to me, speaks to the value of leadership. And I loved leading behind the scenes. Now, you flip that over, you're you're carrying the staff. You're the Moses out in front of your your program. So people have to know um, that you have great strength as you're leading those coaches that you've had the opportunity or privilege to hire. So you got to be a leader out front. But I believe most of the time that leadership, that strength, that imagery comes from staying out of the way of the coaches Uh, but giving them everything they need to be successful. Yeah, that's good. Good things for us to uh, put in our definition of leadership or as Jake says, our toolbox, uh, you know, those are, those are good ways as people listening, as as we listen and reflect here on developing uh, our leadership style and who we are. So obviously you, you did that over 35 years and, and continue to do that. 
Uh, Mike, one last question. I'm going to kind of shift gears. I'm going to let you kind of uh, prepare us or excite us about maybe the uh, National Athletic Directors uh, Conference coming up this coming December. Uh, you are the executive director of the TIAAA that we mentioned. I know that the NIAAA has a conference committee and the, the National Federation of High Schools, work. they, they tag team that conference. But uh, as the host state, I would imagine that Tennessee and, and y'all's con- uh, your uh, association has a large part to play in the prep and getting ready and just the hosting of this conference coming up in mid-December. So finish off our conversation, kind of whet our appetite on your thoughts on the National AD Conference, what you look forward to the most, and why any athletic directors who are listening should make plans to attend this year's conference. Sure, go a lot of different places, but number one, we're very grateful in Nashville or in the state of Tennessee to have the privilege to host this conference. Um, We did it in, um, I think in the 90s, we hosted in uh, maybe 07, 2016, and then now 2022, Kelly Fish of Curry Ingram Academy is our um, going to be our future president of TIAAA. She teaches a national course, either I think it's seven LTC 701, but she's our host committee chair. And I serve on that host committee. We actually have a meeting coming up. And one of the things she's challenged us with that I would love for ADs across the country to challenge their ADs with is what five individuals or ADs can you invite to the conference that maybe either haven't been before or that are, you know, 50-50 about attending. Nashville is very drivable for a lot of states. Uh, what do we touch? Seven or eight states in and of ourselves directly. And so, you know, December 9 through 13 are the, is, is the date uh, or the dates of the conference, Opryland Hotel. We in our lifetime will never again see a $179 a night room rate (laughs) at the the Opryland Hotel. Josh, you and I are talking about that for section three meetings. Yeah, exactly. Trying to come up with a good rate and about 179. And here's, here's some, a strategy that I've used through the years and I've attended, you know, I think this may be my 20th, 18 to 20. I always try to go a day or two early or stay a day later. If you have the opportunity to do that, and use it as professional development. Go, I always tried to go visit schools. It was in Anaheim in 13 or 14. And you know, one of my regrets is not going out and meeting Coach John Wooden in person. But I went to the UCLA campus and I spent eight hours by myself seeing where Coach Wooden ran practice in the 50s, going to Pauley Pavilion, seeing the Hall of Fame where they've literally taken his condo room a room out of his condo and put it in their hall of fame. I've visited high schools. I've connected with ADs in the area to go visit and see facilities. Uh, what is your leadership style? Can I meet your head of school? Can I meet your principal? Like I tried to take advantage before or after the conference to stretch myself. And then, and you know, you may be talking to the wrong PD guy here, but I've taken what 53, 54 LTC courses through the years. I want to take when I have the freedom in the schedule, when I'm not trying to teach or do a workshop, whatever, I always try to take four LTC courses. And you're like, why are you taking so many? Because I want to learn. And I found those four hour LTC courses to be some of the most entrenched, rich conversation opportunity 
I had to grow from other leaders around the world. You go to workshops and here's something, it's a small thing. I notice a lot of people leave before the Tuesday night awards banquet. I've tried to go every year because I want to honor those that have come before us. So I love this line. Sometimes you have to go back to the past to understand the future. We don't live in the past, but we want to use the past Past as a great tool, a teacher to honor the legacy of those that have gone before us. My high school athletic director was Mr. Frank Kovaleski. Well, there's an award named after Mr. Kovaleski. Well, when I was a high school student at Newcastle, I had no clue Mr. Kovaleski was doing all these things with the NIAAA. Uh, Jim Wadkins of Louisville, Kentucky, has been with the NIAAA since 1977. Jim is retiring in December. He spent his whole life building the NIAAA from the first eight-hour LTC course to, you know, what, 56 when you come to Nashville in December. And so I want to encourage everybody, if you really truly want to grow and not and, and be a good steward of your school's funding to send you to Nashville, you go to every workshop, you go to every every LTC course, yeah, the Titans are in town on Sunday. I forget who they're playing. And I get that if you can take a few AD friends and you're looking for an outing during the conference. But for me, every year I've ever been, it's sun up to sundown, 12, 14, 16 hour days, soaking up every relationship and building every friendship I can. And if you want to benefit from coming to Nashville, uh, you're going to hear Inky Johnson kick off the conference. Inky is awesome. Amazing. Yes, right. Um, and then Jeremy Boone, who's awesome and amazing, is closing it out. So uh, Phil Risen and the host committee and Patty Conrad, everybody that's building this conference, they've done a phenomenal job of giving us great bookend inspirational speakers. So there's just a wealth of things you can you can glean for you individually, but more importantly, to take back to be that great leader uh, for your school community. And honestly, I think it's expected if your school is going to pay the money to send you. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I have similar philosophies. I don't know that I've done uh, as many LTCs. I know I haven't done that many, uh, but uh, you're right. The professional development networking opportunities to create that collaboration is is phenomenal. Hey, Mike, could you give us that quote on listening that you gave with that that uh, when you answered Don's question there? Give I think I think that one's worth uh, sending us home with. Listeners learn and learners listen. That's like I'm saying. That's a title of a um, of a slide we have in LTC 716. Why did we put it in there? Because too many times we start to we we have a conversation and we we already have answers developed in our our minds and we start speaking before we let the other person finish. And honestly, isn't that a way to demonstrate respect and true empathy for others? by simply listening and then waiting to respond. It kind of ties into that. Think about it, sleep on it before you respond or make a, a, a impactful decision. Absolutely. And what made me think about it, I thought it was great when you said it the first time, but as you talk through that, that development, that professional development at the conference, uh, there's a lot of listening you can do. And it's not just in a classroom setting. You can sit around and uh, just just stand outside and listen to folks have conversation and and learn and maybe tap that person on the back and say, man, I, I enjoyed kind of listening over your shoulder there. So uh, that nobody's ever going to care about that because uh, there's a lot to be learned there. So 
Mike, thanks a lot. Uh, you really have taught us a lot about leadership from a lifetime of leadership there at CPA. And uh, now, as you know, we finish our show with a two-minute drill. So I'll let Don uh, start us off with this two-minute drill here. Okay, Mike, we're going to hit you with some rapid-fire questions. We want you to tell us the first thing that comes to your mind, okay? Yes, sir. What was the first job you had ever, ever in your life? I was a busboy at the Apple, Apple Cobbler Restaurant in Newcastle, Indiana. And that sounds like Ooh. a place to go eat lunch. Yeah, heck yeah. All right. What's your favorite Nashville Broadway hangout? Oh, I hardly ever go down there, but I would say an <laughs> I would say an athletic event. Um, you know, going to a Preds game. Uh, the hockey team is pretty amazing. Uh, getting to go to a Titans game. Um, you know, Puckett's restaurants down down Broadway or down in downtown Nashville. So that's a place I recommend. What about your favorite fast food drive-through cheap food? What would that be? Oh, Chick Chick Fil A, grilled um, chicken market salad from Chick Fil A. Well, you're not cheap much if you do grilled. <laughs> That's good. All right, what's one thing that can instantly make your day better? Knowing that I'm help someone be better. Very good. All right, the next series of questions, we're going to call it all an audible here. So we're going to play a game of over-under. So we're going to give you the word. You tell us if this is overrated or if it's underrated. Okay, so you just say over-under. And if you want to elaborate on why you feel that way, you can. The 1980s. Uh, underrated. Totally agree. What about mayonnaise? Uh, overrated. Krispy Kreme donuts. Is the hot sign on? (laughs) I knew you were going to say that. That's good. That's good. All right. What about owning your own boat? I think that's overrated. I agree. I would probably agree. Everybody that I know that has one has a problem with it. Uh, What is something that takes up too much of your time? Um, I would say, honestly, worrying Oh, 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 trying to overthink things too much and it, uh, things getting into my headspace. And I love Coach George Raveling. I don't know if y'all have ever followed him, but he talks about, he might be an awesome guest for you, by the way. He's 84 years old, uh, former USA basketball coach. He has a daily email, by the way, and gives just these nuggets of wisdom uh, every day, but um, not allowing things to get in my headspace. And that's why being in conversation with the right kind of people, hearing the right language, reading the right things is so valuable to me. That's good. Appreciate the recommendation too. What is a quick AD hack that has saved you some time, a regular practice that makes your day better or easier? Meeting with our uh, department staff at the start of every day for 15 minutes and everybody getting your action plan in place, ready to go. And then be, um, you know, making sure that your staff knows that you're accessible uh, when questions or issues arise. That's good. Now, one of the questions that we've asked to our guests this season uh, that we have is becoming one of our favorite uh, questions to ask. So if Josh and I are headed up the road to your house for dinner, what's on the menu tonight? What's the go to dish at your house? I'd say grilled chicken or grilled salmon, uh, either baked sweet potatoes or sweet potato fries. Uh, we'll throw a salad in there and some green beans and, and um, have a nice meal. That's oh, good. Yeah. Yes, that's fantastic. That's hey, we can get to Nashville before dinner. We could, we could actually do that, yes. 
All right, let's finish with this. Today, uh, Mike Elson, you've been hanging with the ADs, but let's say you could hang out with anyone. Who would that be and why? They have. Are they alive now? Either one you want. You, you take your okay. pick. Well, I, I said earlier, um, Coach John Wooden, I, I regret not going out and spending time. He always went to a place and took guests at a place called VIP's Restaurant, and they had a little corner booth for him. And I know many college, high school leaders that went and spent time with him. So that's the one person, uh, if I had to had an opportunity, uh, besides my family, of course, I, I would want to go be with Coach Wooden. Mike, thanks for sitting down with us today. We appreciate your time uh, and the ability to learn from you and the lessons that you've learned in your career and leadership. So thanks again for hanging out with us today. Thank you guys for having me. It's awesome. Season three has been another season to learn for some of the greatest athletic leaders across the country. And today was no different as we were able to settle in and talk to Mr. Mike Olson, retired athletic director from Christ Presbyterian Academy in the Nashville, Tennessee area. It is obvious to see why over 35 years in this industry, Mike was able to make a huge impact both there at CPA in the Nashville area and uh, nationally as he served uh, in the NIAAA. Mike shared so many nuggets of wisdom. I, I don't know about you, but my papers are filled with notes. And some of those notes uh, talk about being an educator, read books, be proud to show parents what you are doing as opposed to that old school way of thinking of having closed practices. Talked about leading from the middle up, leading up and leading down. That's tough for us as athletic administrators when we have supervisors above us, but we're also trying to lead coaches, athletes, and community members. He talked a lot about John Wooden. And what a, there's not a better leader out there to learn from than the great basketball coach of UCLA, Mr. John Wooden. Then he finished up by sharing so many nuggets of leadership wisdom that there's really so many, too many to mention. But, you know, just having a theme, having an idea, a philosophy of leadership was evident in everything that Mike shared with us today. I think he challenged us in a lot of ways to be better leaders, and uh, that is kind of a legacy that he leaves, not just there as he leaves Christ Presbyterian Academy, but as he leaves anywhere he goes, is just challenging others to be a great leader in this space of athletic administration. Mike, thanks for joining us. Thanks for sharing your experiences and the lessons you learned over four decades in this business that we love. And we appreciate you. We look forward to the next time we bump into you and we can learn more from you there. And now for our listeners, if you would, please click that uh, share button, rate us, give us a rating, uh, review us. That helps us get our podcast up the charts a little bit, up the Google searches, and you help us get this podcast and these conversations like the one we have with Mike Elson today to so many others across the country. We appreciate you listening We've had a great listenership and increase in that. And we appreciate you sharing this podcast with others so that others can hear us and listen to us and just provide us with that uh, pat on the back just by listening. And as always, thank you for spending your time hanging with the AD.